Welcome to Everyday Illumination. I'm Amy Leiter and this is my co-host. Matthew Stafford. How's it going, Amy? Doing great. We are here with Lily Lazar and she is a phenomenal energy worker, sound healer, and just all around pretty magical human. And she is here to tell us a little bit about her awakening story and about where she is today, where this journey has taken her. Hi, Lily. Thank you so much for being here. Um, You know, we had a few minutes to talk briefly off air before we started recording. And you had mentioned that your soul journey started about three years ago or so. And I think it's probably best for myself and the listeners who who don't know you like Amy does uh, to kind of start from the beginning. Can you take us back to what started you on your soul journey and the path you're on today? Hey, yes. The when I took the big leap, uh, following my inner guidance, was three years ago. But uh, five years ago is when um, I I had a health crisis, and um, uh, I ended up being diagnosed with diverticulitis. And um, so I went to all to the, the doctors, uh, getting all the tests and everything. That's when I had the got the diagnosis of it. When my uh, stomach would flare up, I would be in bed for up to three days. It was very painful. Um, and so I got the diagnosis, and I had I already had started my meditation and Reiki at that point. Um, but so I decided to go to another holistic modality. It's muscle testing. There was a lady, um, Michelle Pratt that I used to go see. And so I went to see her and muscle testing is basically, she connects with your energetic body, um, asks, it's ask questions and you're reprogramming your subconscious with statements. And in that session, we discovered that my, the, my diverticulitis was because I wasn't following my sole purpose. At the time, I had a business and I was working on franchising it. And I was guided to step back and focus on my Reiki meditation, uh, more on the holistic modalities and connection with my soul starting to follow my inner guidance because I wasn't on purpose. And in that session, she said that it would take about a week for my body to uh, process what we had done. And in that session, I'd also made promises and commitments to my soul that I was going to start following that guidance. So I had a colonoscopy booked a week later And when I went in for my colonoscopy, they were like, what are you doing here? There's nothing here to show your symptoms. So um, I stayed committed to my promises. And the next two years, I, that's my focus was building up, connecting that inner connection and hearing it, listening to it. And in 2019, that's when I was guided to get rid of everything. So um, I am down to like three plastic bins of personal belongings, not including my skiing, camping and climbing gear. But, um, and yeah, I uh, headed off to India on a one-way ticket 
And with only my first two nights booked at the hotel. And after that, it was follow my guidance. And so I had an amazing journey in India. I ended up traveling India and Nepal for a year. Um, deep in the meditation in India. Uh, my next step actually was in Pune, India. I attended a 10-day Vipassana program, which is silent meditation. And that's a very uh, interesting process going for 10 days. Um, when we register, you hand in all of your electronics, your journals, your pens, and you're not speaking to anybody for those 10 days. You're not even supposed to even be looking at other people. And it was like 14 days of meditation. Um, no, sorry, not 14 days, 14 hours a day of meditation. The first three days, we focused on the air below our nose, that uh, how the airflow over your upper lip, that's what you did in meditation, was just focusing on that. And um, at day five, uh, that's when I lost it. I was like, that's it. I'm out of here. I can't do this anymore. I am done. And that was the first time I ever heard that voice from inside um, my soul speaking up saying, we got this. And um, I guided myself through the rest of that program and I made it to the end. And there's a specific feeling, like it's a voice I can hear, but it's also, it's very specific. I know when it's that voice, it's not my head, it's that voice. And so that was my first experience of really hearing it. And uh, yeah, and then the meditation just in India went to a whole new level. And then I went in, I traveled to Nepal. And, you know, it's interesting because you never know uh, when you get the messages. Um, I was, I, I didn't know where, I knew that I was going to be leaving India, but I didn't know where I was going after India. I kind of had a feeling it was Nepal, but I wasn't sure. And I had, I was volunteering at an animal shelter and we all went for lunch. And when we were sitting around the table at lunch, uh, one of the girls said that when she was leaving the animal shelter, she was going to Kathmandu to get her sound healing. And I was just like, that's it. That's where I'm going. And so, yeah, that was my next place. I went to Kathmandu and I ended up studying uh, under a teacher, Susan, and I got my sound healing. So going back to the beginning of your journey and you having been diagnosed and then deciding to kind of explore that next step with the muscle testing modality. You know, a lot of people, there's a lot of fear and hesitation when you get a diagnosis and, you know, it can be very scary. Um, I would think, was there fear or hesitation in you as you took that next step into this new modality or were you in a place where you had kind of fully accepted where you were, your diagnosis and, you know, embracing these new modalities like muscle testing wasn't scary. It just felt like the natural next step in progression for you. 
prior to being sick, I had already been seeing Michelle. So I had a lot of faith in the modality. She had um, uh, gotten rid of my uh, fear of heights. That experience, I had uh, signed up. I was uh, involved with the, the ACC, Alpine Club of Canada, the mount, my mountaineering group. And I had an opportunity to uh, do backcountry cook gig. So at a, at a hut and it was helicopter in. So I signed up to volunteer for that. And I was always scared of heights. And I thought, I don't want to be in the back of the helicopter with my eyes closed. I want to enjoy it. So I went to see her and said, what is the root of this? And I want to get rid of it. And it turned out it was, I still had a belief. I was raised a very strong Jehovah's Witness and uh, very fearful of death. And I don't even have that belief anymore, but my subconscious still had that belief. So we had gone through, um, in that session, she was giving me the statements to say, I released all of that fear. And I sat in the front seat of that helicopter and enjoyed every second of that flight. And that's just one, that's just one example of, um, yeah, one of the experiences with that particular modality helping me. So I had a lot of faith in all the modalities that I was doing. I was also going to see Deanne, who was reading my Akashic records. So I had a lot of support um, throughout the journey. So when it came time to actually do the big leap with uh, leaving to India, I had complete confidence. There was no question that, you know, this isn't I, I didn't really have any fear. The most fear I had was other people's perceptions. Like everybody was like, why is India the place that you're picking to go? You're, you know, you're a, a woman going by yourself to the most dangerous country in the world. And our perception is so opposite because that was the most beautiful people. I never had one instance where, um, I had any problems at all. Like people went out of their way. Um, my Uber driver turned into my tour guide. And then he invited me. I went for lunch to his place to meet his wife and kids. The hostels I stayed at, uh, the kids that were helping out at the hostel, they'd invite me to their place to meet their parents. Like that's how it was everywhere. So, um, yeah, and before I left, um, when everybody was always about, you know, you're going to be by yourself, I'm following my soul's guidance. That inner voice, your intuition is never going to steer you wrong. And that I knew. It's when we don't listen to our intuition that we get into trouble. When you were meditating and you said on day five, you got to that point and you were able to to hear this, right? Differently. It wasn't just the voice inside your head. It was, you know, um, this higher self was, and you said, I believe that that was the first time you very clearly heard that voice. Um, just a minute ago, you had spoken about the intuition and following your soul and the guidance and path. So 
prior to that, is it safe to say it was that intuition and there was more of a feeling guiding you and you were moving towards that purpose. And then in the meditation, you finally were able to open um, up completely to be able to receive, you know, that connection and those messages and hearing that voice. Yes, exactly. Because I'd already been on my journey. Like I was already in India when I had that experience with that voice that I heard it clearly. But prior to that, um, it was just that intuition and that knowing that this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. So yeah, in the meditation in India and in the program, that's the first time I ever really heard the voice. But prior to that, it was the knowing and um, just our intuition. We, we know that your, your intuition is never going to guide you wrong. Yeah. Well, it's something a lot of us don't listen to all the time, right? It's always there. And it's something that we don't, you know, a lot of people don't, or they, or they find it scary to trust themselves, right? Because like you said, a few minutes ago, there's that fear of judgment of other people, right? And I think that overtakes, and that's kind of a, an ego thing, right? Ta overtakes a lot of people in their day to day lives. They're scared to follow what they know deep down inside feels right, because they're scared to how others will will look at them and, and judge them. When in the end, that doesn't matter as long as you're being true to your purpose. And obviously, you you were, which is a huge step because a lot of people don't. I, I am interested in, um, because I've never spoken to anyone who's done a silent meditation for that long. Um, but you said you were with others, you weren't even supposed to make eye contact, those sorts of things. So how did they guide you or um, kind of give you the things to focus on? You mentioned those first five days focusing on the the breath and the air, you know, right there um, underneath your nose. Do they are do they speak to you, or is that written? How does that work when they're guiding you through those meditation practices? There's a video recording that they show. I can't even remember. I think it was three times a day. Um, you know, it would guide you, like it would tell you what you were going to do that day. And so then, for the next however many hours that's um what you were focusing on um and the recording well I don't even remember that much about it now um but that was it though you listen to that there was a teacher that once a day um he would talk to you so you could just go over what you were feeling and um it was interesting because they had grounds outside um, like you could walk beautiful pathways. And um, so when I go outside, I would sit and I would just be connecting to the trees and stuff. And when I had my first meeting with him, he was, he goes, that's another form of meditation. You focus on this meditation only. Oh, wow. So it was like, oh, I didn't think about that. So it was like, just focus on that flow of air constantly bring yourself and, back no matter what nothing else yeah yeah so um and it's interesting the things that I went through like um I remember going through like songs from my childhood would just pop in my head um and like the memories that just pop up out of the blue um and then it was always just bring yourself back to that bring yourself back to that 
it was three days, I believe, of yeah, focusing on here, and then we moved up to focusing on the top of our head, and then we were focusing on different parts of our body. And another interesting thing that happens, um, you start feeling like tingles are almost biting on your skin, and then because they let us know that uh, when you start getting into such stillness. Um, there's, you start feeling like atoms around you that you normally would never feel because your mind is always going. So when you started feeling these sensations and that, that was completely normal. One thing I do want to emphasize, and this is so important, having the right support around you. And as you're on this journey, your support system is going to change. So really important because um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have gone this far on this journey without the support that I do have. And it's been different people. Um, you just, you, the right people show up in your life at the right time and be open to that. And it's, it's so important though, because it makes the journey so much easier. Uh, when you have that support system. And actually, it's not that it makes it easier. It is a uh, necessity that you need because um, we're not meant to do things on our own. We are meant to have uh, help and, you know, and, and it's a circle that continues because I had the support. I was able to grow. Now I am able to give others the support and help them grow. and. Yeah, so I really want to emphasize, though, how important it is to have support. And just because at one time in your life, like you've got your friends, say, from high school, that they were the, your support. But as you're shifting on your journey, they may no longer be able to provide you with the support that you need. So your relationships are going to change on this journey. So don't hold on to that you know, oh, well, they have, you know, been with me for however many years, and then you run into guilt and those programs. Follow your intuition, your guidance, because you're going to be guided into, and you're going to feel it. That's that when that intuition is speaking, I didn't, like before I had that program and I started hearing my voice, Prior to that, it was just that feeling. And we all have that feeling. And what happens is we get that hit of like, oh, this isn't the right thing. But then we get in our head and then we start, oh, start thinking about it. And then we talk ourselves out of it. It's that initial hit and stop uh, questioning that initial hit. Yeah, I think that's one of the the scary things too, like I was talking about with taking those first steps and moving forward, it is being able to let go of those relationships, those individuals that are no longer serving you and, and recognizing them for the fact that they did serve their purpose, and they were valuable to your growth, and hopefully you were valuable to their growth, right. Um, but if you keep going back and holding on to that, like you're saying, you're never going to be able to move forward. And I think that's really tough for a lot of people because they get in, they think that it's maybe very comfortable, right? Um, but yeah, and it, it, people keep, continue to go back to that, what they 
believe is comfort, but kind of what you just said, Lily, it's, it is also this, um, it, it is this guilt inside your head, right? That you feel that, you know, maybe you're abandoning them and they've been there and you need to, you know, continue to hold on to that, but that can cause so many more issues. And like you said, you will continue to build that support as, as you grow, you know, um, that like vibration, those all, it, it attracts that same, same type of vibration. And I think that's maybe kind of what happened. I'll let you speak to it when you decided to go do sound healing in Kathmandu, right? Like you said, you met this woman and she said, this is what she was going to do. And this just felt right. Did that feel like just this next support system in, in you moving forward? I, yeah, I knew. I like when she mentioned sound healing, I, it was like, that's, that's my next place I'm going. That's what I'm doing. Like I, I knew it when I heard it. Had you had um, experience with sound healing prior to this? No, no. So you hadn't had experience with sound healing when you heard it. It just felt right, sounded right. You felt that intuition that hit your higher self and you went. Can you explain um, what sound healing is to listeners who might not be familiar with it? You know, that's actually, I never even thought about that either. Like, because you asked if I experienced sound healing prior to that. I never did. I didn't even know what sound healing was. Just her saying that, it was like, that's it. That's what I'm doing next. But I really didn't know anything about it. So, um, yeah. And then when I got to Kathmandu, I was looking for classes. So sound healing is... Um, I have, uh, now I have the Tibetan bulls and that's where I took my training was with the metal Tibetan bulls. Um, and there's a frequency that comes off of them. So there's different kinds of bulls. There's the metal bulls and there's the crystal bulls, but it's that frequency that comes off of them. It's just, it is literally aligning your cells as it passes through you so and i mean it doesn't have to be bull sound healing same thing with music it's a frequency that comes off of it that just it relaxes you it takes you to that place you could almost look at it too well like another form of meditation it's it's all about bringing you back into this present moment. You're slowing down your mind. You're feeling the frequencies. Um, anything that you do that you love doing, you're actually meditating. Because that's all meditation is, is just slowing down the mind. Visiting the space between your thoughts. So would it be fair to say that this is flow? Flow, yes, definitely. Everything is about energy. Our, we start at the purest, highest vibration, um, that pure life force energy. That's our very core of us. And so that, and that, that's right at the center of our physical body. We start with those chakras 
and it moves the energy outwards. And keeping that flow is that these are all tools to just help smooth out that flow, keeping that smooth flow. We get into our head, uh, you start getting into your beliefs, into that hamster wheel, that your head is a filter and it starts shifting that frequency from your very core. So the key is just allowing that flow. So when you're doing anything that you love doing, um, you're, you're getting out of your head and you're allowing that flow, that smooth, beautiful flow. Yeah, it's that moment where time doesn't exist, right? Like when you're in, in the flow, doesn't matter. Nothing else matters outside of what you're actually doing. And literally, because um, what you're doing also is tapping into that energetic field when you're in that flow. And time and distance is not part of that field that energetic field. That's why you can do uh, energy work remotely. I'm in Costa Rica. I can do healing sessions to in anybody in Edmonton. Like it, um, the, it's energy. So it's a flow. It's um, not physical matter. The, the singing bowls, I have a couple of questions there. Is there a difference um between and and it might just be preference it might be use it might be the type of frequency it gives off even though i know like say 432 hertz is 432 hertz but my first question is is there a, a difference other than just preference between metal and crystal singing bowls and then also um there are so many of them i've heard and i'm not very familiar but do certain ones and those certain frequencies um, align with different chakras in your body as well? Yes. Um, and yeah, they're just, they're, they're different frequencies. Uh, so the bowls that I got, um, they're on each note. So like C, D, E, F, when we went to buy the bowls, um, we got, you, you test each bowl. And um, so they're specific notes. Um, and according to um, the different traditions, like Buddha is a, will be a different note for the chakra than Ayurvedic. And when I started, um, I was following the Ayurvedic was the one that I was doing the process of, uh, you know, lighting up the chakras and then aligning them. But what I'm finding now is it's, I don't know that it's necessarily a specific note on the chakra because there's so much more to it. You know, where are you at that point? So how are, you know, or did you just have a stressful situation? Um, so your, our vibration is always shifting. So now in my sessions, I'm just, I'm connecting with your energetic body and what does your body need? Where is it out of alignment? And so I'll just be guided to pick up whichever bowl. Now I'm not going by notes anymore. I'm just going by, oh, I'm picking up this bowl. 
And then even now the ringing and the, you know, am I going to ring it? Am I going to hit it? What am I going to hit it with? I mean, there's times that I'll put a crystal in the bowl and then hit it. So it's all about what does your body need? And your energetic body knows what it needs. So, and it's really been interesting because the bowls now are starting to take on a different sound with each session. So, and it's your energy. I'm just, as a, the holder of the bowls and even with Reiki, I'm just a conduit of energy. And so I'm connecting with your energetic body and then your energetic body is saying, okay, this is what we need to help fix this problem. It's not fix this problem. It's align with the, the true life force energy. And that's all it is. It's always bringing it back so that you have that smooth flow. Every disease, every health issue is the core of it will be in your energetic body. The physical body is just a manifestation of it. So when you're going to the Western doctors and you have symptoms and they can't diagnose what it is because like they're, they're just, no, every, all your tests are coming back fine. It's in your head. It's actually in your energetic body, getting to the root of it. Our beliefs are so uh, important on this. Um, getting to the core belief. What is your subconscious belief? It's not, you know, it's it. most likely it's going to be something you're totally unaware of. It's back to frequency. Get that frequency back in alignment. Get that flow from your core. Allow that to flow smooth. No restrictions. Your body is going to function properly. So that's the root of it. Uh, just getting that flow going. The question that I that I want to ask is, or or maybe it's more of a statement. I think it's it's also really important to understand that your energetic body, your auric field, is made up of four different elementals or alchemies. So there's the physical body, there's the mental body, emotional and spiritual or etheric. So I think the, the important thing to talk about when we talk about you know your journey and a lot of the things that we've mentioned already is that um, muscle testing is sensing that. And some of the work I do, some of the work different people do, the emotional body is your feelings. It's suppressed emotions that are in that energetic body. And then your mental body, it's like thoughts or things that you have come to believe about yourself because of experiences that you've had or past lives or parallel lives um, where it's that is still present and so a lot of times when we're healing it can be past life it can be trauma from this life and a recent event that has just happened and what you end up I think from receiving from Lily and also you know doing work myself and us doing work on people you know at the retreat experiences is that um we're reaching a point in time where um we don't have to tease it all apart as much anymore. Like sometimes we need a little bit of the story to get to the emotion, or we need a little bit of the thought process to understand, you know, like if it's some sort of fear or if it's a belief we have from childhood, 
But if you feel it, if you move through the energy, if the energy is shifting, like you're saying on a molecular level, there's a lot of blocks and healing that is happening through frequency, which is what sound healing is. And frequency also, whether it's Reiki energy, whether it's integrated energy therapy, whatever type of energy work it is, your energetic body and your field will work with the practitioner if they're a clear vessel for them to be the conduit for it to happen. And so I just think it's important just to unpack that a little bit for people to understand, because for so many people, this, this is a newer idea around healing and it is kind of the future of where we're going, you know, whether, you know, we talk about color therapy or energy work or, um, you know, sound, whatever it is, the frequency in our body shifting is, is how this new earth is created because it's about shifting to a space of unconditional love and being able to hold that flow state. And the, and the funny thing is when y'all are talking about flow, I just have to say it now, um, the movie soul, the animated movie soul, there's a beautiful spot in that where they show like all the people that are in flow state and it's almost like it's a different space that's like almost like in between state and none of the people can recognize anybody else because they're just so in in the moment and really that's what we're shooting for that is the baseline we're shooting for to get to the point that we're living our lives in that frequency whether the baseline is peace or whatever it is And that's why all these energy healers or people are quitting nine to fives and, you know, learning different modalities, because that is the future of how, of how we do life together. Feeling is the key with this too. So um, Amy had mentioned the, the four bodies. Yes. That's what we're doing is we're bringing all of those bodies into alignment. Our emotional body has to move. And society has taught us to stifle those emotions, not let them flow. And that is not a good thing. Those emotions have to flow. Um, The new science now is showing, you know, how much water is, um, it's holding information. And our tears, when it's so important, when you have a really good cry, like a really, really good falling, you feel so light after it. Crying is actually a natural process. That's the body's way of getting rid of energy that's no longer serving it. It's a low dense energy and that's a natural way of moving it. So uh, that's why like you're literally releasing energy when you have a really good cry. That's why you feel so good. Um, you know, another really important thing because the water, our tears are water. We also have an energetic field along our jawline. So when you do cry, don't wipe the tears away. Allow them to flow down your cheek. And as they go through this energetic field, they'll also take more energy that you don't need so and thanks to Jason Estes that's where I learned that um yeah there's so much amazing information that's coming out now um it's it's really interesting I've also been diving into the new science and um so 
Joe Dispenza says, spirituality is the belief before the science. And we're coming into a time now that science is proving the spirituality. So really cool. So I was curious, Lily, if you would share a little bit about when you're seeing grid points, like I know that the they're related to ley lines. And so when we talk about the earth, when we talk about energy, when we talk about Gaia, because um, I know that's part of what drew you here on your journey of healing. So can you tell us a little bit more about, about grid points and ley lines and how that relates to sound and, and energy work like Reiki? If you look at uh, Chinese medicine, they talk a lot or Chinese modalities uh, they deal with because we have an energetic field around us and there's grid points there's like how how the energy lines up and so Gaia the energetic earth same thing she has grid points and energetic fields so and it's within and without also it's like everything is energy. So the grid points are just where points that the energy comes together. Yeah. Would it yeah. would it be like um, and I'm and I might sound like I'm like watching too much ancient aliens or something like that. But um but isn't there and I have been watching this thing on Netflix, um, this Graham Hancock show, which is really, really interesting. Yes, yes absolutely interesting. So this is kind of where this question comes from where the temples are like south of the equator like where like egypt is and then like where you have the one in cambodia and then you have like another one over in south america is that kind of one of these grid points or or lines rather they are everywhere because everything is energy um the yeah in the ancient times they they knew they um it's uh, really interesting, um, like the pyramids, there's a, like that saying as within, so without is so accurate, uh, right from the micro to the macro, everything is repeated. So like down to the, the proton to the cosmos. Um, Nassim Harem is another scientist that really dives into this too. Um, but the, so like even the points of the pyramids, uh, like the, so first of all, the, the angles and everything on the pyramids, they're all self-generating energy. And then the points of the pyramids on earth are creating a specific um is it more like energy fields yeah like a portal yeah points of the pyramids will be matching different constellations like everything is connected absolutely everything yeah and so I know this from watching Matthias Stefano and and a few other people on Gaia.com um, that's sort of what helps guide my awakening and we're reliving or meeting a point in time where Atlantis actually fell or a lot of people believe that. Um, and that was one of the things that was, um, 
it was a big catalyst for the fall is actually people starting to use technology out of integrity. And so they started trying to use the pyramids technology to actually control people or to like, to interfere with the way that messages work. So like the example I always use is Wi-Fi. And so if your Wi-Fi doesn't have a good connection, right? Then you can't get all the downloads. You can't get all that information. So as this interference started to happen more and more, um, it actually led to like all of the pyramids not being connected any longer. And so it's interesting what you're saying about the point and the constellations. So those portals and that energy like kind of was stifled. And so I'm sure I'm not telling this all, all like perfectly. Um, go to Gaia.com if you really want to learn more about this. Um, but there's there's several accounts that, that I've watched about this, that when that sort of started to happen and the pyramids were no longer connecting to one another, creating that network, that is when the floods happened. And so when you look at that, that is one of the reasons I think that, you know, the floods, ice ages, you know, that are documented, that that's why there's so much information in water. And so when you think about all that information being in water, and then you think about the earth being porous or plants growing or trees, that, you know, it starts to speak to the as above, so below, so within, so without, because when you look at the root systems underneath the ground, right, it does reflect what the tree looks like, you know, on, on our end of things. So it just starts getting what I call wavy, right, where you're like, start getting more and more open to ideas. And I think that speaks to what you're saying about like the atom and like, you know, the universe, you know, all these different things where um, trying to think of like other things or when we talk about food shapes and then it helps whatever the food is shaped like, that's the organ it helps. So there just is this beautiful synchronicity in our world that we have almost been blind to. And, yes. and when you start paying attention to the energy and, you know, your story of intuition is like, oh, like if I start listening to myself, this entire world and universe can be revealed to me in a whole new way. And we have all the information within the doorway to that information is through your heart center. And so that's why in meditation, it's always breathing in and bringing your focus into your heart center. And, um, you know, in quantum physics, uh, that information is in every cell and in absolutely everything because everything is energy. It's, it's when you get in your head, though, that you start, that's the filter. And so that's why it's so important to be open and be open to all this information because now we're in the age of, that's what the awakening is, is discovering, rediscovering, because this isn't new, but rediscovering, awakening to that information. Yeah, so it's almost like the, when you guys have both talked about, you know, um, healing something inside of you and the way you just said it, Lily, with, you know, it starts in your head, right? It's if you have a mentality where you're not open to this or you're stuck in this feedback loop of yourself and your ego, right? It's almost like you're creating a space within you, right? Within your body for then 
that repetition, like if you create a space where say, let's say very far end, a cancer cell can produce, right? Well, then what's it going to do? It's going to keep replicating itself if it's within the condition that allows it to keep replicating itself, right? So you look into what's happening in your body. Where is your mindset? What are you thinking? What are you feeling? And what do you want to be open to? And like you said, that can then, that change in yourself changes your vibration, which then can create a different environment in which those cells won't be able to uh, replicate themselves, right? They won't be able to survive in that. And that's at a small molecular level. And then you come out to the individual human being in this 3D reality. And that's what we're doing also, right? We're creating this environment. The environment's here, but it's how are we perceiving it from our mental state, right? Like in our head, like you're saying, it starts in our head we're looking outward, you can look outward at the world with a pessimistic view and a sad view, a happy view, those types of things. And I think all of those things are, are, are going to happen. That's life. And that's what being a human is, is to experience those. But I think it's that feedback loop and living in that environment that causes a lot of issues for people. Well, and it's about, um, yeah, because your mind is the filter. And what you're doing is creating resistance to that flow. And one of the biggest creators of that flow or the biggest resistance to that flow is fear. So when we, we have a, our amygdala. So amygdala is a, a little organ in our brain. It's about the size of a sunflower seed. And it is... Um, it's part of our survival mechanism. So it's our, that's our fight or flight response system. Its whole job is to keep us alive. So whenever you have a situation where something happened and you find that you don't like all, you were sitting here We'll say we're sitting here and a snake came in here and all of a sudden I'm out in the yard and I don't even know how I got there. That's the amygdala in action. It takes over your body. When your amygdala is fully activated, it is physically impossible to think straight because it literally cuts off the circuitry from to your prefrontal cortex, to your thinking part of the mind. It's, it's all about your survival. And it's meant to like engage, save you, but then you go back into relax mode. And there's a whole bunch of conditions. Um, so your, your short, quick breaths, there's reasons why your body goes into that when you're stressed out. You're always going to have short, quick breaths. That's to get oxygen to your muscles so that if you have to do that instant fight or flight, you can do it. The higher cortisol levels, high blood pressure, uh, insulin, all of that. So the amygdala doesn't have to be fully activated. It can be just a little bit activated. The language that the amygdala uses is feelings. So the news can be triggering your amygdala reality shows like what are you watching 
Um, the music you listen to. What are the words saying in the music? What are you programming yourself with? So, um, so when and stress, stress is the biggest trigger of the amygdala. This was a few years ago, but the amygdala was the biggest it's ever been. And that's because it is being used so much. Um, so, and what happens is when it is triggered, it sends our body into the sympathetic nervous system. So our, our body is operating in that stress mode, in that mode of the higher insulin, the higher cortisol, um, and disease, dis-ease in your body. So, and what happens, we operate more and more in our sympathetic nervous system or our stress nervous system as our lives get busier and busier and we get into more stress and more stress. And what ends up happening with our bodies, if we're gonna be operating in that stress mode most of the time, and then we just relax a little bit, so when you relax, you're in the parasympathetic nervous system. Um, but if you're just in the relaxed system for a little bit, and then first thing you're back in the stress, our bodies end up going, you know what? We're just going to stay here in the stress system. We're not even going to the relaxed system. And that's when you're really starting to get the health then or health issues because you're simply not functioning properly. So. Um, I'm sure you've heard that taking those slow, deep breaths, like that relaxes you. You feel yourself relaxing as you're taking those slow, deep breaths. So before you ever go into like a meeting or any stressful situation, taking those slow, deep breaths first, what you're literally doing is your body is telling your mind, it's telling your amygdala that it's safe and it can relax. So that's one of the things why the slow deep breaths work to relax you. Yeah, it seems like such a thing in today's day and age that um, is utilized to keep us away from that slow breath, right? Um, you talked about the news and music and things like that. I mean, a lot of that will keep you in in that state, right? In that state where the amygdala is is running things, you have your high cortisol levels, high blood pressure, and then that can cause just a lot of issues uh, around the world, interactions individually with individuals and people. And then also on top of that, I mean, it's a way to almost, I guess, kind of keep people in a state that you want them to, right? I think people probably utilize that in relationships. Um, they utilize it at work, boss, employee type thing, right? Then they utilize it at large scale with, you know, media news all that all that sort of stuff it really falls in line everything you just said um from a very individualistic level to a very like almost global level right um you can see it and then you start seeing that with diseases and such and the interesting thing i think is that um really the only addiction we have is to the stress like we have been conditioned to be busy so it's like we're just conditioned mostly for that amygdala like buzz that's happening and then whatever we pick up outside of us is supposed to calm us down whether it's prescriptions whether it's drugs whether it's alcohol 
you know, whatever the list goes on sex, doesn't matter what it is, sugar, we just literally end up in this space where we're controlling everything with things outside of us. But awakening is really about, well, you know, when you reach a certain point, right? Awakening is about choosing peace. Awakening is about not seeing yourself as lazy if you decide to like take a week off work or you want to relax at night. We have gotten so addicted to being productive because that is our worth. And the only epidemic we really have is in not understanding our own worthiness. Yeah, that goes back to belief systems. And um, yeah, and, and they're tough. Like those are deeply ingrained programs. So that's another big process of this awakening. Um, going through the awakening is the deprogramming. That's huge. And um, I know I'm working on that big time. <laughs> I mean, and I think a lot of that comes into it, at least for me, is that repetition, right? What are your practices? What are you doing? And what are you consistently doing yeah. to get yourself out of that state or sit with yourself and recognize it when it's happening because you're able to slow down enough and say, I not am this, I'm experiencing this feeling and I have the ability to change it and think about it from this outside perspective as opposed to just reacting immediately, right? You can take that moment, take that breath as that starts to fire up and just kind of calm yourself down and it might not change what's happening, but it's changing how you're reacting to it. And, you know, and being able to be present enough with that, I think that's, that has a lot to do with it. And again, the, the repetition, your daily practice, what does that look like? And for certain people, it, it, I mean, it looks different for everyone, right? People have different modalities and different parts of their practices that work for them that might not work for others, but it definitely seems like breathing, meditation, um, you know, tuning in with yourself. Um, and I mean, even sound healing, right? I mean, if you're not doing traditional sound healing with singing bowls and such, um, you know, like you said, the music you're listening to. And it's very interesting that a lot of music that is put out in today's world is like tuned a little differently away from that like 432 hertz frequency it's, it's just a little off from that. And I think that that's just, um, I'm sure we could talk about that forever, but it is very interesting that, that even what you listen to in your day-to-day, -day, if that's part of your practice, how is that then affecting you? How are those vibrations and those sounds affecting you? Um, even if it just doesn't have words, it's evoking emotion, it's evoking feeling, and it's running through every cell in your body. Yeah, like I said, the mind is the filter. So what you had also said, um, that operating from your stress nervous system, your body isn't functioning properly. And our cells literally get addicted to the, our, what our brain is releasing. So if you're in that stress mode, you're going to be releasing certain chemicals. And after time, your cells start getting addicted to those chemicals. So it, you just naturally flow into that stress mode because, you know, that's why habits are so hard to break. There's a neurological pathway there. And that's the comfort zone, if you want to call it. Um, so breaking that, um, when you have a habit, uh, you're also talking about muscle memory. Like there's so many levels to it. Um, that 
you know, you've got this habit of smoking, say, for example. Um, I'm personally have never had that problem, but um, I've heard, you know, that they'll, they want to quit smoking, but before they know it, like they didn't even realize it, but they're holding a cigarette and smoking. There's muscle memory involved in that. There is cell addiction involved in that. So your body is literally craving it. That's why it's so hard to be shifting these things. Um, but again, just get back to that connection within. And the answers are there. You start that and breath work, like we've got built-in tools. Breath work is an amazing tool to help you slow down and connect and get that flow opening. Intention, intention is another tool that we have. Intention is the drive of the energy. It's really interesting. I just learned that one too. So I call intention is adding steroids to your thoughts. And a lot of times, like, I think what is sort of happening with all, all of these types of experiences is um, we're given, we're given a memory or a vision or a knowing, you know, whatever, however your intuition, you know, your strongest intuitive senses work, but we're given the visions or the knowing of these parallel or past lives or these experiences. And I think they're really attached to our soul. And there's like an imprint that we're resolving. So it's like, as we integrate these experiences and feel the feelings and participate with what's coming up, sometimes, you know, dreams as a child or traumas or different experiences are helping us to feel the feelings of that parallel life or past life. So it can be integrated. And as we kind of shed our programming or conditioning, it becomes something that I see that more and more you'll experience because these other things aren't in the way. And when we decide to go towards the fear or go through it, then you start seeing things like you feel the thing and, or you are no longer afraid of the heights and you ride in the front of the helicopter or you have the memory and understand the fear. And so then you can go enjoy the ocean. And so I think that that's also a big aspect of awakening and ascension is that, you know, we're, we're kind of, the, the baggage is the density, like those feelings, those thoughts, those emotions are creating triggers, they're creating moments that are pulling us out of flow. And so what's actually happening is we're trying to clear all the things that are in the way of us staying in the present moment, us staying in flow, us staying in like joy, bliss, some of these higher states, because that's actually where we're meant to experience life from. But all of the conditioning and events on the planet, you know, and in culture have changed it. So we actually are more controlled when we're in fear because we don't have access to our own inner knowing. And so I think that, you know, that's the other piece is that the Akashic Records is the record of all of those lives. And I think as you start, like, you don't need to look at every life you've ever had or every experience but will be given in the moment if you can connect with yourself the right information to clear it, integrate it, work with it. And that is a lot of the work, you know, that we do when we work with one-on-one -on -one clients. That's what we're cultivating. That's what we're kind of, you know, playing with the energy of what's happening and trying to understand it. And this is why so many people are becoming healing practitioners, I think, because you're meant to share what you've healed. 
And the people that will be drawn to you are people that are in desperate need of someone to understand the experiences they're having and to help, you know, guide them a little on their path. Yeah. And that's what I believe. That's what this lifetime is all about. And this is what we're all really stepping into is healing all of that past trauma um, from, from our soul. So, um, and this is uh, on the bigger picture, Gaia is shifting into a higher vibration. And so is humanity. We are inhabitants on Gaia. So humanity is shifting. And that's what we're seeing right now is the shift of humanity shifting into the higher vibration. And you can't have any of that low vibration. And that low vibration is like from our soul. It's in our DNA. So that's where all this healing is coming in right now. And humanity is shifting from operating from our head into our heart and opening up that flow again that's the key and that's one of the it's just kind of coming through right now which it's not something that i think most of us don't know but that's why you're seeing you know all these movements with people um different groups of people that have been oppressed and now you're starting to see actually places on the earth or having earthquakes or having wars where the earth is actually releasing energy yeah and so natural disasters are also ways of the earth, you know, moving energy that's contained in it or for, for dense energy that's happened on the lands. And I think, you know, in places where d- indigenous people have not been respected and we haven't been flowing with the land, you will see a lot more of these experiences as time goes on. That's why I think people are being called to blue zones. People are being called to places to really that have a higher frequency to one heal yourself. That's why we're bringing people here for immersions and retreats because there's so much available in land that has higher frequency to help you heal and have these moments of clarity. But also we're, we're seeing a lot of natural disasters and other things because Gaia is a conscious sentient being that is also awakening and ascending. So, um, she doesn't need us as much as we need her. And she's asking us, you know, to lean into the work so we can come along. Hey, are you guys ready? Let's jump into some rapid fire questions if we're cool with that. Let's do it. All right. So Lily, what is a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your everyday life that brings you joy? Meditate with sound. What is a favorite concert of yours that you attended that you'll always remember? Def Leppard. Leopard, nice. Pour some sugar on me. That's Def Leppard, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> what is something people often get wrong about you? Um, that I really got my shit together. <laughs> Love it. That's a good one. Um, what is a favorite movie of yours? If you could see what I hear. You could see what I hear. I've never. It's an, yeah, it's an old movie. Um, yeah, it's about a blind guy that uh, refused to believe that he was blind. Like he just lived life to the fullest. And it just, yeah, it had such an impact. And 
Yeah, love that. Movie. Very cool. We'll just go into this last one. What are you illuminating in the world? My light and expanding it. That's great. That brings us to the end of the rapid fire question. So Lily, thank you so much for taking the time with us and sharing, you know, all of the information about you and your journey. Um, and yeah, just everything. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and learn. Well, thank you very much for having me. And um, it's been a pleasure and it's uh, been very, yeah, uh, I love sharing my story. So thank you very much for having me. If you really enjoyed Lily's story or her energy, or um, you want to get to know her a little bit more, she can be found in Everyday Illumination Circle. And she likely will be blessing us with some sound bowls and some healing. Um, she also does one-on-one -on -one sessions. And I'm interjecting because a lot of times she's very humble and she does not, um, she's not the best self-promoter, but she's beautiful at so much with, with the energy. Um, so I'm really honored to have met Lily and to know her. And I look so forward to all the work that we're going to do together, whether it's retreats or events or one-on-one. -on -one. Um, I've thoroughly enjoyed and it's such an honor to know you. It's been an amazing experience for all of our time together. And our girls together too. Huge. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Everyday Illumination. We hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as we enjoyed having it. If you'd like to support the podcast, the easiest way to do that is to like, review, and or subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on. We're pretty much on all of them, so just type in Everyday Illumination, click the like or subscribe button, and if you feel so inclined, leave a review. And of course, the absolute best way to support this is to just spread the love and to share it with your friends, family, or anyone with ears who you think would appreciate these conversations. Amy, would you like to tell people where they can find you? Yes, if you'd like to follow my journey or work with me, you can find me as the Illuminated Psychologist on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, soon to be YouTube. And my uh, web address is Amy, A-M-Y, L is in Larry, E-I, T is in Tom, E-R, Lighter, amylighter.com. Thanks so much.